with a body of work that includes 25 solo records, over three decades as frontman for the seminal rock group King Crimson, and a resume of working with the who's who of rock royalty, including David Bowie, Frank Zappa, Paul Simon, and Talking Heads, our guest's place in the pantheon of popular music is as truly unique as the inventive sounds and songs he produces with his guitar. We're speaking of the one and only Adrian Ballou. I'm your host, Paul Teese, and on this episode of If When, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Adrian to learn his keys to successful collaborations, how he cultivates new ideas, and his thoughts on the proper balance of imagination, technology, and technique. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for joining me and uh, sharing your thoughts on creativity and applied technology. And, you know, to start us off, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, when should we expect to see your new album, Elevator, come out? You know, it's been slowed down time and time again by just happenstance. You know, all of a sudden, oh, it's time to rehearse for the Remain in Light tour. Or, oh, the engineer can't work for the next two weeks or, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm hoping to get it out in September Mm. uh, because I hope to do some touring, uh, solo touring near the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And the one reason that I wouldn't bring the record out is if I wasn't touring. Because these days, if you if you bring a new record out, you, you owe it to yourself to go out and support it mm-hmm. by playing live. And that's that's what strums up a lot of interest. I hope people are waiting for it. My fans are waiting for it because I've mm-hmm. talked about it a lot. And I wish I hadn't talked about it so early on. <laughs> but uh, as it turns out, you've got to wait sometimes. So it's it's there, though. It's I, I listen to it myself more than I usually do my own records. Usually mm-hmm. I put them away when I'm done. But this one I'm really excited about. No, that's great. And I can imagine, I mean, that the necessity of touring to support a new album allows you to then, like, you take it out, you're playing that music, and then you kind of are able to explore that space and explore new ideas off of it. Whereas if you're, if you just send it out and then you're staying at home, you're, you may not be able to get into that creative space as, as robustly. Well, sometimes, you know, you want to take the new music out and try it out ahead of time, like trying out a new car. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I like the I like the immediacy of uh, I write it. I go mm-hmm. in the studio. I, you know, I put a lot of thought into it and know what I'm going to do. Or if I don't know what I'm going to do, then I have some time to experiment and to do that. But I like to just I like the immediacy. I like mm-hmm. to. OK, here's this new thing. Mm-hmm. I want to see it born and wiggling as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Well, I uh, I can't wait to to hear it, so I'll be looking forward to it. Thank you. So, in your own body of work, you really set yourself apart from other guitarists, I must say, by the imaginative way that you handle the instrument and you approach it. And, you know, one way I would sum it up it would be, you know, how is he doing that with a guitar? You know, so Following your career over the decades, it was always fascinating to me that the predominant feature was your technique and your ingenuity, much more so than just like specifically technology itself. So, you know, this first question is, how do you strike a balance between technology versus imagination and technique? I would say that as important as technology and techniques that you may develop along with it are, they're both completely in service to my imagination. Mm-hmm. So that's how I avoid letting them get in the way or drag me off course. They're only there as tools. And thankfully, during my career, the music technology industry has grown enormously. 
and it's to the point now where you know you can't really you can't keep track of it all it's changing so fast so you pick and choose the tools that you like and you go with those the uh, techniques usually are things like um what i what am i doing with my hands you know mm-hmm. well i've i've figured out a lot of interesting little things you're probably not supposed to do with the guitar like pressing a string between the the pickups and making it squeal that way <laughs> or bending the neck or <laughs> abusive things to do to your guitar. But they were, once again, they were all kind of in service of, you know, well, I want to, to make my guitar do things and sound like things. Sound has always been my motivating force, even, even more so than just music. Mm-hmm. Early on in my career, I was trying to make my guitar sound like things like, can I make it sound like a bird or, can I make it sound like a, uh, a train or a whale or whatever? You know, that was for some reason that was important to me because I like the idea of that, that you you weren't just playing notes anymore or chords or writing songs. That was all very important, too. And I kept at that, you know, continually. But there was also this desire, well, what else can I do that no one else is doing? Because in the world of guitar playing, there's a lot of great guitar players and a lot of guitar players at home mm-hmm. who probably are never going to be, be heard and maybe they're better than I am. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to, to find your own little corner of real estate <laughs> where you can do something that sets you apart. And once I realized that people liked it, if I threw in a car horn or, (laughs) (laughs) you know, into one of my guitar solos, then I said, okay, well, that's great because I I can do that. I I have a a mind for understanding sounds. Mm. Well, and it's just that that kind of tapestry. It's like it's something about it. It's almost like impressionistic painting, right? I mean, it's like – and then on the – converse you know the, like especially a lot of the work that you do with king crimson it's very rigorous you know and it's you know very muscular guitar playing but you know it's just that ability to like kind of paint a musical picture if, if i may you know with those sounds and the way that you can kind of really bring that out is just fascinating well yeah. it it imparts a bit of personality i think too because you know i like to have fun with things mm-hmm. i can be serious and i can uh, play very serious music but I also like to do it with a smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so if you, uh, you know, you, you can play with things and have fun with it. You don't have to just, uh, be all scales and, and shredding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. So I understand from a previous interview, you, uh, you said that you really don't listen to new music, uh, very much. And, and the reason for that is to kind of avoid it being unduly influential on your own music. You know, it reminded me of that Harold Bloom's anxiety of influence where he kind of he theorizes that poets avoided, they kind of st- strove to avoid poets of the past from influencing their, their creative work. You know, so that said, you know, where do you typically go for inspiration? You know, how do you cultivate new ideas and what are some techniques you might share that could be uh, duplicatable by others, musicians and non-musicians alike? Well, I'm going to share one right off the bat. If you're a guitar player, retune your guitar. You don't have to do an extravagant retuning, but I discovered a tuning a few years ago where I just tuned two strings to a different note. The E string, I tuned it down to a D, and the G string, I tuned it down to an E. Mm-hmm. So it's a very quick and easy thing to do, but what it does is it it, it breaks every habit you possibly could have had because now when you play a chord on there, 
mm-hmm. you won't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to rethink the process. You'll find new chord shapes. You'll find, uh, wow, I can't do that, but listen to this. And you'll mm-hmm. be able to make chords and things mm-hmm. so uh, that you could could not otherwise play, except maybe on a uh, on a piano, perhaps. But So that's a free piece of advice and something free to do that's always been helpful to me to shake up my writing you know but mm-hmm. i'm, I'm going to go back a little bit to the very first part of your your question where you were saying that i have said i don't listen to any other music mm-hmm. i do listen to some mm-hmm. but i'm not a person who keeps in touch with what's going on on the radio or trends or who's a new artist or anything mm-hmm. if i'm going to listen to someone i usually listen to someone i trust you know someone whose music i've been influenced by when i was younger or Someone I, I think what they're doing lately, I, I know I can depend on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I tune into what they're doing, it's, it's going to be fine. My problem is I'm a great mimic, really. Mm-hmm. And when I did the, um, Paul Simon record, um, is that Graceland? Graceland, yeah. you know, which had all the, um, the African players. Yeah. And an African, a brand of really African music to done with Paul, Paul Simon's you know, context. Mm-hmm. I went home from that session and I began recording more new songs and lo and behold, I started listening to them and they sounded just like Graceland. <laughs> 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 and I said to myself, wow, you know, I got to be careful here. I really want to keep my, my own output, you know, as pure as it can be. I mean, I have influences. I would never run away from my influences, the Beatles, because they, I mean, I love what they did. I, I don't mind if that shows. It's, it's you know, I'm proud of that. Yeah. But I don't want to be infected by <laughs> yeah. just anything I hear. So that's why I do that. In terms of inspiration, though, it, it's just life to me. It's everything. It's I, I do a lot of book reading when cinemas were available. I saw a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm thrilled with nature. I go out and, you know, look at birds. And I just love what nature says to me. It's mm-hmm. it's like a spiritual thing, I suppose. And and I just, you know, those things add up to some while I'm doing that, I'm thinking, well, what do I, you know, what do I want to say about this? What do I do I have anything I can talk about or uh, so you know, that's where you get songs like the Lone Rhino or mm-hmm. something like or the song Birds or any mm-hmm. of those things are they come from real life and uh, my imagination both being put together. The one thing I would say to people is to archive things mm. like we were just talking about an iphone so it's, it's a wonderful tool for archiving there's mm. you can i have a program on there record so if i'm working on something i press that and i'll play my little guitar part or what it is whatever it is that i've just invented or the new melody line and i've got it there i can work on it further but it, even if i don't mm. it's there and i can return to it a year from now and the same is true with uh, lyrics. I write mm-hmm. all my ideas down in my notepad, hundreds, hundreds of things in there. Mm-hmm. And because that's the one thing that's, that you have now that you didn't have when I was starting out. You didn't have a really easy way to archive what you were doing and, mm-hmm. and not lose something in the picture. That's very important. No, oh, that's great. That's great advice. Now, this next question, you know, is kind of a, a preface to, you know, you're right now you're on tour or you're doing shows with turquoise and of course jerry harrison of the talking heads and y'all are commemorating remain in light and of course you know especially uh 
you know, just starting off your career, I mean, you play with Frank Zappa and David Bowie and the Heads and King Crimson, and you've been on all these albums and stuff. So beyond just the, you know, your own solo career of 25 solo records, you know, you've, you've done all these collaborations. And so can you speak to us a little bit about what you see as being like the key or the keys to successful creative collaborations? Well, I'll start with uh, Jerry and myself and Turquoise. Uh, the thing I love about it is there's no ego. Everyone is really a team trying to purvey this joy of this music that was made back in 1980 uh, that Jerry and I were both involved in. Mm -hmm. And that really makes everything so easy. So the first thing I would say about collaborations is there's a... There's a, a need to surrender. You have to surrender over to the collaboration. You can't say, no, this is going to be my way. Mm -hmm. No, you do that on your solo records or something else. But when you're collaborating, what you're trying to get is a combination between you and the other collaborator or collaborators where you're exchanging ideas and views and you're utilizing each other's abilities to, to create something that on your own you wouldn't create. Mm -hmm. And going back to technology for a second, one of the things that's really wonderful with the current state of technology is, like I said, a lot of people have uh, studios in their own homes now because it's become affordable enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, just recently, Todd Rundgren called me and said, hey, I want to collaborate with you. And here's what I want to do. Do you have any unfinished pieces or songs you're working on? I said, yeah, I always do. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, would you send me some of those and I'll finish one. Hmm. So I sent him four mm -hmm. songs and he chose one of them. And the song he chose, I had already recorded sort of the basic tracks and my vocals for the verses. And he wrote the choruses and did the vocals for the choruses, add some keyboards, did some other things, sent it back to me. I, I add a little bit more of guitar to it. Mm -hmm. And there you go. That's a great collaboration. I really thought that what he added to it made it perfectly what I wanted and it wasn't something I would have done. Mm. So that's a great collaboration to me. I, I, I enjoy collaborating. I love being in bands. I love doing different things. I feel like making my own solo records is my baby. That's, you know, that's the most fun I, I get to do because <laughs> no one can tell me no. <laughs> <laughs> but I no seriously though, I think it's a diet though. You need I need a diet of other things, mm -hmm. uh, playing with other musicians and exchanging ideas and being in bands like King Crimson, where you really are put on the spot oh, yeah. to, to, you know, to excel mm -hmm. and to come forward and, and move something forward there. That's uh, the challenges of all of that. What keeps me so young mm -hmm. and happy <laughs> and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I imagine that that creative tension between the like the somewhat the constraints that you have to face, you know, in a collaborative space, right? Because you're having to share, you're having to kind of die to self a bit, you know, so for the greater good of like the work and then being able to move back to your solo space where you have a lot more freedom to do, you know, what you want to do. It's like that that kind of give and take and being able to vacillate between the two kind of keeps both of them fresh. Yeah, exactly. One feeds the other. Mm -hmm. uh, 
like when I was in King Crimson for all, I was in King Crimson on and off for 33 years and, mm -hmm. and, uh, it wasn't continual, but when we were doing the band for years at a time, mm -hmm. it was very intense. And, uh, boy, once we were, you know, our writing sessions could go on for months mm. and, um, it might take us two and a half years to make a record mm -hmm. or something like that. I would go home and with, you know, and, and do my own things and the pressure would be off of me because I could, I could say whatever was personal for me right. or make a funny comment that I wouldn't make in, for the band King Crimson. Right. And so, yeah, it, it's a sort of freedom in both things and they mm. both kind of, I think, propel the other. Mm. Now you've, uh, and we've touched on it a little bit, but you've, you've appeared on so many iconic albums and have played with some of the greatest artists in the modern era. But is there a specific artist you wish you'd played with or an album you had played on? You know, first of all, why am I not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Sorry. That's a I question that I want to know. <laughs> We're starting I'm a petition. I'm, I'm only joking. But if you guys are going to think about it, please do it before I'm, I'm on to the next planet, would you please? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding here. No, I have been able to be a part of some albums. I had no records. I had no, I mean, I can't believe it myself sometimes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's a, to you, who would sit out and say, I'm going to play with David Bowie and Nine Inch Nails and, mm -hmm. and, you know, then I'm going to go work on Paul Simon's record and do a movie with Laurie Anderson and so on and so forth. So uh, the, I don't know how that stuff happened. All I know is each one of them, you know, I tried to do my best and, mm -hmm. and I, that's what I, I, I love about it was that people keep giving me the chance. <laughs> um, you know, when it comes to people I'd like to work with, it's, it's, I can't really say much because the people I would like to work with, if, if I say things, it would sound pretentious. I would feel pretentious to ah. say those things, but you know, the people that would really thrill me are the people that I grew up listening to mm -hmm. and they're big stars. So. <laughs> bigger stars than i'll ever be so it, it sounds funny to, you know to even mention it that would be the the biggest thrill for me is just to rub rub elbows with someone like ray davies or jeff beck or mm. either paul or ringo Bo or you know you know just people mm. that meant so much to me mm -hmm. um in terms of now though the honest collaborations that i can do like what i just did with todd for example Mm -hmm. I welcome those things. Uh, they're just sitting there. They they have to kind of come to me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go out and, and try to make them happen because I already have a lot of things I'm doing. Right. But when one presents itself, uh, the first thing I do is I, I, I say to myself, what can I contribute to this? Mm -hmm. Is it something I really feel I can do something for or with mm -hmm. and do i like what it is going to be and that's that's kind of my criteria it's never how much is the money or anything it's time mm -hmm. you know what, what do i have time to do this but other than that i welcome collaborations but they you just have to look at them and imagine what they're going to be i guess mm -hmm. and and it's it's you can't i can't sit here right now and say what if i got together with so and so wouldn't that just be great i have no idea yeah now, interesting. Yeah. So at this point in your creative career, what is something you've learned along the way that you wish you had known as a young creative artist just starting out? There are so many lessons that um, 
I could pass on about being in the music business and things like that. But um, the music business is ever changing anyway. So mm-hmm. I think you'll have to learn those for yourself. Mm-hmm. Two things that came to my mind, though, when I read this question was I wish that somewhere along the line I had forced myself to take lessons on piano. Now, I, I'm totally self-taught, and, I, and I, I love that. And when I worked with Frank Zappa, he, I asked him, should I try to learn to read music? And he said, no, it's great the way you have it now. You understand it your own way, and you break the rules your own way. Mm. But I do wish that I had taken up piano lessons because, first of all, I would be a, a good pianist by now, and I, I'm sure my writing would be increased by 50% at least. Mm. And when I hear someone who does write well on the piano, I always think, ah, oh, gee, I wish I'd, I'd done that. I could have blamed it on my parents. We didn't have the money for lessons, but I, you know, I could have done it at any point in my life. So it's my fault. And the other thing is very similar to me. I wish I had delved more into the, the bones of computers. I'm not very good, naturally gifted with computers. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm fine as long as they are doing what they supposed to do, but once they, (laughs) (laughs) what's <laughs> that something happens i'm ab- absolutely useless so mm-hmm. uh i wish that i had taken lessons and and learned more about that i think i don't really have the aptitude for it somehow i don't i'm not a logical you know straight straight logic kind of thinking person but i i suppose i could have learned it better than than i have bit by bit mm-hmm. and uh so now, you know, whenever uh, whenever I have problems, I just go get one of my kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all do that now, you know, <laughs> and they're going to be doing it with their kids. So, you know, it's just the nature of technology and how fast it's uh, it's all changing. Yeah. So They say it's so easy a kid can do it. Okay, so I, I go get <laughs> one of my kids, you know. But oh. truthfully, I, I think, you know, it's such an important part of our world now, and I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just sort of. It's just sort of happened to me while I was out there touring around the world. <laughs> Suddenly I realized that everything is now done with a computer and I'm not very good with them. <laughs> but I am. I, the one thing about technology in me, I mm. always figure out ways to make it do things it, it's not necessarily supposed to do. And mm. there's a creativity to that. And there's a, there's a good part to that. You, you end up sounding like something that no one else does. Yeah. I mean, you, there's something about the lone rhinoceros that, you know, if it had been done with computers, it would have lost something. It would have lost a certain spirit to it. And it's that song is like, it's so tender and it's, there's, there's a love to it and it's obvious it comes through and you're playing, you know, that again, like it's beyond the technology. It's the human, it's the spirit that you bring to it. Well, the organic part of making music is seriously important and it gets overlooked a lot now. Mm-hmm. I think far too many artists think that they can just do it with buttons mm-hmm. and and you can, but it's not always the best way. Uh, really, uh, a well-written song, in my opinion, is is worth a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I spend a lot of time trying to do just that. Yeah, no, for sure. It reminds me there's a, I think Ridley Scott, he talks about filmmaking. It's a similar kind of thing. He says like, if you can do it with like real models and like with real physical things, you should, because trying to replace them with like CGI and all that, it's just, it, 
you lose something, you lose that texture, you lose that feel, and the art suffers as a result. So, I think the whole creative world is is experiencing that same thing, uh, getting adjusted to the amount of, you know, the amount of computer intelligence and things that that's out there mm-hmm. that we can use so easily. I, I think we're still adjusting to it because the, the one thing you don't want to forget is the human element because mm. that, that's what it's all about. That's why you make art in the first place. You're trying to communicate to another human being. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Adrian, I, uh, it has been a real pleasure to, to have this time to sit down with you and, and to hear these great stories and get your insights. And so I really, uh, I really appreciate you. So thank you so much. Well, thanks. I'm honored to do this, by the way, and I and I really appreciate you guys asking me. So, thank you so much, Paul, and uh, look forward to checking it out whenever it's out and about. <laughs>